Welcome to the Everyday Ironman podcast, where we talk to real athletes just like you and me that are working to complete an incredible goal. My name is Mike Bosch, and I'm excited to have with me today recent finisher of Ironman 70.3 Atlantic City, Nakia Eckert. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I have a lot of notes here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am excited (laughs) to have you because even though in the podcast world, this, this episode won't air for a couple of weeks, we are recording it just days after you have crossed the finish line at Ironman yeah. Atlantic, uh, 70.3 Atlantic City. And we definitely, we want to talk about that. We want to hear about it. We want to hear about your experience and your journey. However, we have some housekeeping mm-hmm. issues to deal with first, right? You've heard the yeah. podcast, you know the drill. We always like to give the listener a, a baseline of information of where you are in life. Can you uh, provide that for us? Yeah, great. So I am 41. I have a husband and two children, um, a recent seven-year-old and an almost three-year-old. So we're still kind of in the weeds with little kids, Mm -hmm. Um, potty training, daycare, the whole first grade, the whole thing. Um, I do work full-time. I work at a um, local college in student affairs, and my husband is a seventh grade teacher and also finishing up his doctorate. So he should be done here in about a month. So we just like to um, do as much as possible to be as busy as possible. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you, you yeah. sound like you're probably juggling a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah uh, but I yeah, I like it that way. And my um, older son has taken a deep dive into baseball. So we talk about baseball mm. every minute of every day. We play baseball. My husband coaches baseball. So we're definitely in that world. And that's been super fun. Um, I'm just happy that my kids are active and out there moving their bodies on a daily basis. I think that's so important. Gotcha. So you said he's recently seven years old. So is he, are we playing T-ball? Is it coach pitch? Oh no, it's coach pitch. Yep. So he's in coach pitch and it's coach pitch by my husband. But so he's really, yes, he's really (laughs) intent on, um, you know, making sure that the kids are ready then to move up to kid pitch because we do hear in our neighborhood, a lot of stories about, kid pitch and how it kind of some throws some kids for a loop. So we want to make sure that they're prepared. So yeah, my son is all in, um, you know, he wants to go to the show someday. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, you always say like, oh, you know, we want, we'll do whatever we can to make our kids happy, but we're going to you know, we won't be great. Well, we're going to take it easy. And then you don't, when your kids go all in, you dive right with them. <laughs> yes. We, uh, we went through that as well with my oldest. We did, we did the traveling baseball. It was every yep. weekend. And then when one day when he decided he didn't want to play baseball anymore, my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, well, what do we do now? What do we do now? Right. But <laughs> right. Uh, it's, you know, exactly. it's, it's, it's fun just to enjoy it, enjoy it while yeah. it lasts. And hopefully, hopefully your son uh, takes it all the way. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think as long as he's happy, that's all that matters. We'll do whatever we need to do to support him and whatever my younger one wants to do um, as long as they're happy. Gotcha. So how, how did you, so here you are, you're, um, you're married, you've got two young kids, you're working full time. Um, I didn't get the, I didn't get the, uh, the opportunity maybe to ask, were you athletic growing up? Like, how did you get into triathlon? (laughs) 
I was not athletic growing up. I like to say that I benched most of my field hockey career from seventh through 12th grade. Um, I also played the violin. I was not very good, but I played from third grade through 12th grade. I um, came in last every 800 meter run from seventh through ninth grade in track. (laughs) Um, And I swam in high school. I was okay. I'm good, not great, but I swam the 500 because nobody else wanted to. Um, okay. cause they didn't want to swim that long, which looking back now, I'm like a 500th, nothing. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Like I'd cool, love to swim like a 500 cool <laughs> to cool down. Exactly. Um, but I think what I, looking back, I wasn't athletic, but I never quit. I never gave up. I never stopped. And I was always really a really good sportsman cheering on my teammates, being there, there being go. part of the team. So, you know, I don't, I didn't shine at that point in my life, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it served its purpose. And then I sort of went dormant in college. You know, I went to a big D1 university in Pennsylvania, had a great time, graduated, needed to lose some weight from the great time that I had. So um, decided to get into running and um, started actually training for a marathon. So I tend to do things like extreme. Mm. I wasn't like, oh, I'll do a local 5K. I was like, why don't I? And I had run intermittently between summers and everything. But um, I decided to train for a marathon. So I did the Marine Corps Marathon in 2004. um, And that was an intense experience. But I was also young. I was 23. So I wasn't, I had no idea about fueling properly or hydrating. I mean, Marine Corps is traditionally around Halloween weekend. So I think I spent the two days before eating like Halloween candy or something. Cause I thought I was like, Oh, I'm just going to run it off. But I was also 23. So like things, yeah, yeah, things are different. Things were different. Um, but so, yeah. And then, um, as I kind of went through my adult years, I got into the half marathon distance and actually had Mm -hmm. some pretty decent success locally, just as far as like with my age group and found that that was a really manageable distance for me as far as training and working and being in my twenties and having fun and all that stuff. Um, And then when my husband and I met, I actually got really into CrossFit um, for a few years. I was very into CrossFit um, and it kind of got to the point where like my shirts weren't fitting anymore and my arms were so big. Like, so um, yeah, it was nuts. Like my husband would joke with it. He's like, you literally look around a room like you want to just see if you can pick up the furniture. Um, (laughs) So, but that was, I mean, again, like not being athletic as a young person, not having any of those accolades. Like I do think I went to a really good CrossFit gym. They were very professional and experienced and safe. Um, So I didn't get injured, but I do think it, it gave me the opportunity to kind of realize like how strong I can be because I never had that growing up. So that gave me a lot of confidence that I never had. And then I got pregnant. We got married. I got pregnant with my first son, totally stopped doing CrossFit. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I would say about my son was like, my first son was like a year old. I got really into Bikram yoga. So total left turn. Um, I was really into hot yoga. And um, it it was enjoyable. I made friends. Um, For me, the diving into these sports also became like a community. I made really good friends. It became something to do that you were doing two things that you loved, hanging out with your friends and working out. So yeah. And then the Bikram yoga studio I went to also had this really great Pilates class. So I got really into that. And then I got pregnant with my second son. And then when he was four months old, the world completely shut down. (laughs) So um, we were, yeah, we were at home with a four-year-old and a four-month-old and two full-time jobs and a doctorate program. So that was Mm. 
a crazy year um, kind of coming out from that. But as my husband and I tend to do, why not go big? We decided to build a house and move also in 2021. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think and that you've you have children, so you know, those early years, you're sort of all consumed. You don't really you kind of lose yourself a little bit. Um, So started running again. I'm sorry, I'm backing up quickly. Right before my second, right before I got pregnant with my second son, I did a local sprint triathlon and I loved the, so I did have one experience with a triathlon before diving into 70.3. But I loved the mental challenge. I think I had kind of expired my time with distance running, um, got a little bored and decided, you know, I know how to swim. Um, I was, you know, I biked with my dad a lot. Um, so I was like, oh, I can do a sprint. It's really not, I don't, you know, train a little bit, do a practice, whatever. And I loved it. I thought it was great, but then, you know, life happens, had my second baby COVID, all of that stuff. So, um, and then I don't know, I've just, I've always been really fascinated by extreme endurance, events and what the body is capable of. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And what the body is capable of. And just, I just think it's fascinating what people can do. And what I love about triathlon, especially is that everybody has a strength and a weakness. So it really Mm -hmm. levels the playing field. Like nobody that I've researched comes in a pro in swimming, biking, and running. They have a discipline that they always have to work on. And I just love that because you can come in as a normal person mm-hmm. and be like, well, I was a swimmer or I was a runner and here's what I have to work on. So I do, yep. I love that aspect of it. Um, so coming to 70.3, there was, I was on a Zoom meeting one day for work. Somebody said, we just rehired this security officer at the college and he's a really accomplished Ironman age grouper. He's gone to Kona a couple times and I was like, I need his email. Yeah. Um, so I emailed him. He's amazing. He really mentored me through the whole process for free. Like he's incredible, incredible person. Um, I felt really prepared because of his expertise Mm -hmm. um, and him being like, bring this, do this, have this, try this first, whatever. Um, So he really, really helped me. Um, And I had just messaged him. We zoomed one night and he was like, why don't you start with a (laughs) 70.3 before you go for the big leagues? That's funny. And that was yeah. awesome yeah. advice. Yeah, you can go ahead and send me his email as well. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. If you look him up, I mean, he's awesome. He's he's great. That's funny. Well, that, that, is, that yeah. is a really, um, that's an interesting journey of how you, you kind of, you sound like you, once you start down a path, you are all in. Yes. Uh, on mm-hmm. that path, which which I can definitely relate to, which sometimes I don't know how you feel about it, but sometimes is a blessing and a curse. Uh, totally. Because you, I get so singularly focused on something. Mm-hmm. My wife is like, just give it a break. Like and then yes. and then I'm off to the another thing. And then all of a sudden I'm off to the another thing. Yes. Um, no, I'm the same way. Yeah. I mean, I, how do you know somebody does CrossFit, right? They're going to tell you. Exactly. So it's like the same thing. With, and not only do I jump in with the sport, but I jump in with the diet too. So when I did CrossFit, I was paleo. When I did Bikram, I was vegan. Like, and it's, wow. my husband's like, I have whiplash, like trying to keep up with like what you're doing. But I also think that you're like, I do, that's just my personality. And like, you don't come into something like a 70.3 as a really like, level-headed person like most of us are pretty extreme that's funny yeah and and i can totally relate to the the sense of community that you referenced to 
uh, yeah. in, your, in your CrossFit journey. I, I definitely have found that in triathlon in a way that I didn't find. Like I, I have a, I have a classic car and there's like a car, there's like car clubs and they were very, like, they didn't, they almost like they, they want to be all in with their own little group and they're hard to crack, you know, mm -hmm. hard to crack that code. I didn't find that with triathlon at all. Triathlon yeah. was just like a big open armed hug, like bring yeah. it in and, and let me, let me teach you everything I know, learn from my mistakes, that whole type of thing, which I just love about uh the world of uh triathlon and community and everything everything like that yeah um like i've done you know i've done cycling events where it's just cyclists and then mm -hmm. i've done you know lots of running events and like people can be kind of rude sometimes because if you're not on their level or you're not at their pace they kind of want to push you to the side but like i said about triathlon everyone's got a discipline that freaks them out a little bit yeah. so everyone can kind of relate to each other Yep. I totally agree. Totally agree with that at all. Um, so, so it sounds like with you working full time and your husband working full time and, and working on his doctorate, I'm sure that, that takes a lot of time mm -hmm. as well. And you've got yes. two, two young children at home. How did you manage to balance your time to where you could get training in and things like that? Like how, how were you able to train? So I'm very fortunate that um, my job in the summer, I'm off on Fridays from mid-May to mid-August. So we work four nine-hour days um, through those months. And that is just a blessing at the school that I work at. It is, and I could not have done this kind of training without that time. So every Friday, um, I had someone come over, whether it was a family member or a, one of our babysitters, and my husband and I would bike. That was usually my long bike day. Um, and then Sunday would be my long run day. And then throughout the week, I would just be up early at the pool on the trainer. I did, I purchased a, um, Wahoo kicker core or snap the snap. Okay. Um, so that was in the basement. Um, I would be out at five o'clock in the morning with a friend running, um, putting it all together. And I, I am lucky with my husband being a teacher, he is home in the summer. So mm -hmm. As through the summer months, I didn't really need to get up as early. Um, I would take my lunch break, drive to the pool. I mean, mm -hmm. really any spare moment I had, I was working out. I tried not to work out at night just because I felt like that's when I was needed the most. Gotcha. And then there were the two, I had two weekends of a 50 mile ride and 11 mile run and a 45 mile ride and a 10 mile run leading up to tapering. Mm -hmm. um, so those were, those. I did those on Saturdays and my husband was just like, if you can be on your bike at seven, I got the kids till you get home. So, um, oh, wow. you know, we, we're a team, like we awesome. really just kind of tap in, tap out when the other person is doing something that they're pursuing a passion. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's yeah. something that comes, comes up on the show, but doesn't come up probably as much as it should is having the support of your partner is paramount. Yeah. Like it's, it, oh, yeah. it, 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 it'd be nearly, like people have done it, I'm sure. And, and I've heard stories or whatever, but having, having your, your partner support, um, is, is so, so very important. Um, and so you said, uh, he was able to bike with you as well. Does, is your husband, does mm -hmm. he, 
so not only does he support you, was he he was actually like help not helping you, but training alongside you a little bit as well. Oh, yeah, he is awesome. So he, I did, I biked with my dad a little bit. My dad's a really a major cyclist, and then I definitely biked with my husband most Fridays. Um, but he, we would have somebody come over and watch the kids. So what I would do is usually go out at like um, eight and bike like 20 miles on my own. And then I'd circle back, get him. We'd have the babysitter, aunt, stepmom, mom, whoever come over um, with the kids. I would, you know, refuel and we would go out for another however many miles I needed to accomplish that day. And he's, I mean, I feel more comfortable biking with somebody else just because that was my weakest discipline. Um, Like I went literally from, I had cages on my bike as of April of 22 and then had to learn how to clip in and clip out, fell a bunch of times for no reason. Like I would fall just like standing there. Um, and, well, it's not for um, no reason. That's just part of the learning experience. Oh yeah. 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 I had a total meltdown um, over, I would think it was probably like probably early April because I had been to the bike shop like three times. I didn't realize that when they put the clips when they took the cages off and put the clips on that mm-hmm. they actually put the clip clips for my shoes in the bag. And okay. I couldn't figure out why the clips that I bought on Amazon uh, were not fitting. Oh, it was crazy. And I was just like, you know, I'm calling my dad, like freaking out. And he's like, this is normal as you're getting up to speed <laughs> with your bike. Like you're going to be back at the bike shop a few times and you're going to get to know them and That's drops. Funny. I mean, I think the one thing that really caught me off guard was how expensive. And I really started from scratch. You know, I needed a trainer, um, which was actually an invaluable investment. I can't imagine. I couldn't have done yeah. this without an indoor trainer, um, yeah. a pool membership, like the gear, the bike, like everything, the nutrition. So um, oh, yeah. just, yeah, you just registering for the race alone is not that that's only the beginning of the money that you're going to spend. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's one of the reasons why it's so important to have the, the, the support of your partner. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. Not only is it, a, is, yeah. it, is it a lot of time, it's a lot of money, um, but it is. the rewards of crossing that finish line, are, it's hard mm-hmm. to put a price on that. Um, no, you can't. And and I do want to talk about your your race experience. Um, we talked yeah. about at the opener that you just finished uh, Atlantic City, seventy point three. Um, and I've started. I've always been wondered wondered. I've always wondered if I can get my words out. Um, but I've started <laughs> asking, what went into your decision to pick Atlantic City as your race? It was close and flat. Those were my two biggest. Well, I think, and I think flat is not always the easiest. Um, You know, I had thought from, so I live in central Pennsylvania and I, the, I thought the only Ironman race around here was Lake Placid. And that is notoriously a very hilly race. And um, at the advice of my mentor, he had suggested that maybe that's not the best race to start with, especially if you're gearing up with cycling. Um, So he was like, maybe Atlantic city, it's close. You can, you only need to spend one night money, all of that. Um, so what I liked about it was that it was flat, but also it was flat. So on the run, you literally feel like you're running to nowhere. You feel like you're on a treadmill because the majority of the run is on the boardwalk and getting to the last turnaround around Mm -hmm. mile 10, 
I was like, where is the turnaround? And everyone was like, it's coming up, it's coming up. And some really kind, wonderful girl was like, it's not very close. Like you've got a little bit to go. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. That um, is funny. But yeah, so that's what really mostly motivated me is that I wouldn't have had to go super far. Ironman Maryland is probably closer, but they don't have a 70.3 as of yet. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I didn't know if it had – the distance is always something that I always take into consideration too. I didn't know if – because you were able to do the majority of your training through the summer, if that was a factor as well – um, the flat course, I agree. I think there's advantages and disadvantages. It's mentally mm-hmm. tough. Uh, I think yeah. one of the things that I like the rollers, the kind mm-hmm. of the rolling terrain is it, it breaks up the monotony. You're changing positions, oh, yeah. you're changing your form and all that. And that keeps you mentally yeah. engaged a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Right. There was some time on the bike that was like long, long, long. Yeah. And you I can't, could, you I can't hold arrow that long. <laughs> Yeah, I can't hold arrow that long. I, I have to get up. <laughs> yeah. I have to be able to get up there once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's funny. Okay, so as you were coming into uh, Atlantic City, seventy point three, what were you worried most about? Like, was there anything that you had in your mind? Um, this was your first seventy point three that you just weren't not that you were scared of, but that you hadn't figured out yet. Was there anything like that? Yeah, definitely a mechanical error on the bike. So I'm not the most self-sufficient on the bike. I really relied on my husband this summer. I mean, he would even clear the road for me. He would turn left and be like, clear, you don't have to stop. I mean, so you get very reliant on people when they do that. And you kind of, you, you put that away that you're like, well, somebody else can help me if I get a flat, someone else can help me. So, I mean, I got a tune up a few weeks before I got gator skins put on. So I think I did everything to prevent disaster as much as you possibly can, but you certainly gotcha. can't, nothing's foolproof. So I was mostly worried about a mechanical error on the bike that I wouldn't be able to fix that would sideline me and not allow me to finish under the eight and a half hour mark, which was Yes, wanted to cross the finish line, did not want a DNF next to my name if possible. So um, that was definitely in my head. And when I got to Friday and went to athlete briefing, you know, I put my bike in transition, got it checked in, went to athlete briefing. And I every all these guys were like letting a little bit of air out of their tires. Mm. And I was like, what are they, what are you doing? Should I be doing that? It's really hard to put your blinders on in that environment. Cause you look around, I mean, I have a road bike, I don't have a tri bike. Um, Mm -hmm. so I felt kind of like a, just a little bit out of place with some of the more professional appearing athletes. And I, after athlete briefing, I did go up to the race director cause he said, I'll make myself available for questions that you don't want to ask in front of the group. And I said, I'm really nervous. I, you know, I see all these people letting air out of their tires. And I said, I don't think I'm good enough. And he was like, watch your words. You're here. You're good enough. (laughs) There you go. So he was amazing. Yeah. And he was just like, listen, some people do know what they're doing. Some people don't. He's like, it's not going to be 90 degrees. You really probably don't need to let air out of your tires. And I was like, okay. So I'm just, I was like nothing new on race day. Right. So I'm going to leave my bike alone. And I didn't realize how attached I was to my bike. It was really hard leaving my bike overnight in transition. I was like, wait, but how will I see you again? It was strange. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But then some very kind, kind human who um, you sometimes wonder, like, when you meet these people in your life, you're like, are you real? Are you an angel? Like, 
you know, he was just very kind and he had a bike pump and I was like, it's really early. It's only 4.15. I'm hoping you have some time. Could you just check my tires? And he pumped up my back tire and I never saw him again after that. And I'm just very thankful to him because that he did not have to do that. Yeah, that that's really, that's really cool. And and as you were as you were recalling that experience, it, it made me think of um, when I was a, a volunteer in Galveston. Uh, I, I volunteered in bike check-in, and probably once besides besides putting the finisher medal around people's necks, my second my second favorite experience was in uh, in transition and recognizing there were other athletes that they didn't know they were they looked lost, and so I had mm-hmm. the opportunity to say what you know what do you need what are you what are you worried about and and they were like yeah. it was almost like sense of relief because they wanted to ask somebody but they didn't know who to ask and, and so being able to help somebody through that experience is such a cool thing so if mm-hmm. you are listening to the podcast for the first time and you find yourself in that situation do not be afraid to ask somebody just say hey yeah great. help help I, i'm a little i'm a little out of place or i can't get my i can't get my thoughts uh together can you, can you just help me for a second? It will not be hard to find somebody that is going to no, be willing to, to help you. Um, so uh, good good for that uh, individual who was able to mm-hmm. uh, air up your tires on, on um, race morning and, and be able to yeah. uh, calm, calm that anxiety. So, okay, yeah, so something so it, little like helped me so much. Yeah. And that, you know, what's it's crazy. It's always those, it's always those little tiny acts of mm-hmm. kindness that make the biggest difference. Yeah. So, so Huge. often, yep. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and probably what's so funny, Nikki, is that guy, he probably, he's probably not even thought about that moment since he yep, put air exactly. in your tires. That was nothing his, for him. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. What about his day? And yeah. he never thought about it again. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we talked about what you were worried about, right? Which was completely understandable. Yep. Did you, did you experience anything that you didn't expect? Oh yes. So I consider myself an actually a very strong swimmer. Like I roll up to the pool and I, I'm not trying to, I'm not bragging, Mm -hmm. but usually when I'm at the pool at 530 AM, I'm one of the stronger swimmers in the pool until the fancy like club swimmers get there. Usually I'm gone by then, but if I can beat them out of the pool, then I experience being a very strong swimmer. I've okay. always been a strong swimmer. I've always been a major water kid, loved the pool, ocean, all of that. Um, so I just was like, okay, I got this swim. Um, I rented a wetsuit. It was a long sleeve front zip. I didn't want to, ma- I'm really short and I didn't want to mess with the back zipper okay. um, okay. thing. So I was like, I don't know. Like, I know the strings are long, but what if it falls off? I don't know. And I did do an open water swim practice. So I um, drove down to kind of near like Philadelphia area and I swam in the river. It was like a 300 meter course and you could swim it as many times as you wanted. Um, And then I, at the end for my swims, I would do my swim, but I would turn at the T instead of touching the wall. So I would do my whole swim without touching the wall just to try to emulate that experience of not having that rest. Um, And, you know, I was like, okay, so I wanted to swim in about 40 minutes, but I also lined myself up very conservatively because I've been in enough races to know that people go like gangbusters Mm -hmm. when that buzzer goes. So I was like, well, I'm going to line myself back up with 46 to 50 minutes. I'd rather pass people than be passed. Felt okay. 
Um, they started playing the Imagine Dragon song Radioactive as I was getting in the water. And that is my son, both of my son's absolute favorite song. So I yeah. was emotional. Okay. I was like, this is a sign. So I was emotional getting into the water and I hit that water and I think I had a full on panic attack. Um, I mm. felt like the wetsuit was suffocating me. I couldn't get my bearings. Um, I was doggy paddling and like I couldn't, every time I put my face in the water, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Um, so I, mm. I saw some guy ditching his wetsuit on like an embankment and I thought about uh-huh. it, but then I was like, yeah, it was crazy. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, well, you can't do that because they charged you $17 to rent it and they're going to charge you like 300 if you don't return it. Yeah. And I know that Iron Man does their best to get everything back to you, but they can't promise that you're going to get this back. So you got it. You're stuck now. Because I had thought at the 11th hour, maybe I won't use a wetsuit because the water was like 73 degrees. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to have one. Um And I floated on my back and looked up at the sky and all I could see was the blue sky and the clouds. And it sounds corny, but I just kept reciting out loud to myself, you belong here, you trained for this, you belong here, you belong here, um, until I could catch my breath. And then I kind of did a little sequence of 10 strokes of breaststroke, 10 strokes of side crawl, 10 strokes of kicking on my back, 10 strokes of freestyle. And I did that from buoy to buoy until things started to space out a little bit and I regained my breath okay. and I eventually got into a decent rhythm, but that is 1.2 miles in ocean water is nothing to sniff at. That's a Mm-mm. long swim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sure. And the ocean sure. water, the, the salt water is totally different. The wetsuit, I tried unzipping the wetsuit, but then it created like a drag. So uh, I was like, that's not going to work. So I zipped it back up and you know, looking back, hindsight 2020, um, I don't know that I needed the wetsuit. The water wasn't cold. I hadn't practiced with the wetsuit in open water. So I would highly recommend doing that. Um, and I think I swallowed a ton of salt water too. So I think that practicing with other people in salt water, because river water, fresh water is not the same as salt water. No. And it does something totally different to your system. Um I think so. You know, I mean, nothing crazy happened. I got moved out of the way. Like somebody like did this to me, but I was probably in their way. And then um, some guy kicked my goggles off and he apologized. But, um, you know, other than that, I think once I got into a rhythm, Mm -hmm. it was okay. But I was extremely thankful to um, whatever universe, whatever God for getting me out of that water in one piece. Cause wow. it was slightly terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a strong swimmer and I've been very vocal about that. And so I, I definitely have my share of anxiety. Um, so I can understand, I can appreciate what you went through. Um, I have a couple questions, of course, when you, yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm not familiar enough with Atlantic city to the course to know were did you guys jump off the pier into the water was it a was it a uh like a level entry like a beach type entry like how did y'all how did y'all enter the water yeah so we swam in the bay um and it's kind of like a boat entry so it drops off all of a sudden so So they had yep okay yeah they had somebody there and every three athletes in every five seconds or something something like like that. that okay yeah so did you experience that sensation as immediately 
and mm-hmm. upon entering the water. And so you weren't even yes. away from the dock at that point when um, you, you or, or how, how far into it were you? Probably as soon as I, I was definitely um, horizontal in the water. <laughs> so okay. I probably was right off the dock and it just took me, it just caught me really off guard. And I think I was anxious and emotional mm-hmm. and inexperienced. And I, you know, I think all of those things combined with hundreds of other people around me and yeah. salt water uh-huh. all at once, it was like this flood of cortisol in my system yeah. that was like overwhelming. But at the same time, it's not only about me. It's about all of the people who got me there, who supported me financially with their time and who were following me on the app. I mean, my friends in my neighborhood, I walked out the morning of that I was leaving for Atlantic city and they had covered my driveway in chalk with inspiring messages. And, you know, I was like, you need to get across that finish line for your boys and for all the people who are taking their time to -hmm. follow you on this journey. I mean, triathletes, (laughs) there was a thing that my I don't know who wrote it on the driveway, but they said triathlete, someone who has to make exercise three times harder than it has to be. (laughs) And I was just like, but they support me. All these people in my life, I'm so blessed to have people support me in these crazy endeavors. And I had to figure it out for them. Yeah. Yeah. So that was important. Well, obviously, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that you had that experience that you felt that sensation, but good for you for being mentally strong enough to be able to roll over on your back, to be able to have your, have your mantra of you, you know, mm-hmm. you, you belong here, you you train for this and to be able to have that support system. And now that's not to, that's not to minimize anybody who has been in that situation and had to say, Hey, you know what? This isn't my day yeah. because everybody goes through something differently. But I yeah. think, I think what, um, what you know what i hear when when i'm hearing the story for the first time is you know it's life's about adversity right that's mm-hmm. what that's what we're, we're faced with adversity all the time and it's it's how how we handle that adversity is is what makes us stronger and, defi- and defines us in a mm-hmm. way now does that mean that every time we face are faced with adversity that we're going to conquer that no maybe that yeah, one particular adversity we learn a lesson from that better prepares us to the next time we don't always know what life has to offer but i think um to to think that um there's never a scenario even even with you being a strong being a strong swimmer right to say this is not this is probably and we talked about it, right? This is not what you expected. You didn't expect to have that swim experience. And so I just think yeah. it's it's important. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that with us on, on the show, because I think that's, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to a few people now. And while there are some, it, it's more and more athletes are, are sharing that they actually have a swimming background and they're strong with swimming. I still think the majority of the athletes, at least the ones that I've talked to, the swim is the mm-hmm. the thing that they have the highest level of anxiety around. I still do. And yeah. I, I, I've upgraded myself to a mediocre swimmer, but I have anxiety <laughs> uh, over the swim every single, every single time I get in the water. Um, Cause you just don't know. You just well, don't, don't know. you think some of that though is respect for what you're doing? Like mm-hmm. 
I think that a certain level of nerves shows you're you're caring about yep. what you're about to do. You know, 70.3 full Ironman sprint Olympic, whatever you're doing, like you, and I, I guess I was always brought up where I was told respect the water because the water has you have nothing on the water, whatever yeah. body of water it is like you have to respect water. And I mean, I think that sometimes nature overcomes you. But I also trusted the fact that, you know, at athlete briefing, the race director said, we have professional lifeguards out there and 2,600 of you are going in and 2,600 of you are going, are coming out. Um, And I just, I I put my trust in the professionals that were out there, that somebody had their eyes on me. Um, That if I was really struggling, that somebody would you step in to help me. And the other thing that I remember them saying was don't stop until someone pulls you off the course. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I just, yeah, I don't, I I don't know that it was pure grit and determination. I do think that my training took over at some point, Mm -hmm. but it was, I thought about it. I was like, I could tap out. I could tap out five minutes into this thing, Mm -hmm. but I knew that living with that would be really hard for me. Yeah. And I, and I can totally relate to that. Um, my, um, the one and only full distance Ironman race that I did when I did Texas in 18, I told as many people as would listen to me (laughs) that I was doing it because in a way I felt like I was accountable to those people. Then I didn't want to have to go back and say, I didn't do it. And again, everybody, everybody's in a different place. Everybody has a different motivation and, and, if I had been in a situation where it was dangerous for me to continue, I, I would have been, I would have made a different decision, but I think there's times in life where our mind gives out before our body does. And we have Mm -hmm. to convince ourselves to, um, to push past whatever our obstacle is and to continue. And, and that's, that's what we do, right? That's what we do. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. I, um, I, I struggled with postpartum after my second, the birth of my second son. And I, it really, again, it caught me off guard because after the birth of my first son, I was over the moon and I was like, being a mother is amazing. And I don't care what I look like and all of that (laughs) kind of stuff. And after the birth of my second son, you know, all I had wanted was this, was a two kids and I have this healthy boy and I'm so lucky I get 16 weeks off of work and it's great and whatever. And I was really sad and I couldn't put, I couldn't figure out like what it was. And I mean, I got the help that I needed, but I also knew that I needed to show up for myself and show up for other people. And it's not the same thing. It's not the same struggle and I'm not equating it, but it's my story. And when I was in that water freaking out, I really had to talk myself into down from the ledge being like, you need to show up for yourself here. You spent all summer training and it's not time to throw in the towel yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I understand that. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that for sure, because, you know, I think it's one of those things that it does race day doesn't go perfect every time. Right. And so, um, while we hope that it does, we hope that we go out yeah. and we have a we have a perfect scenario and we and we we PR the swim, we get through transition and blazing speed, our nutrition is on point, right? And then we podium. I mean that happens for somebody, I'm sure, but but uh, sure. that's, not how li- that's not how life works. Um, no. So no. so let me ask you this: after you after you got out of the water, 
Like, so you, 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 you started with, uh, imagine dragons and radioactive, you hit the <laughs> yeah. water and you, and you go through that experience, you calm yourself down, you go, you take it one step at a time, buoy to buoy, which is perfect. Right. I did look up your stats. You weren't last in your age group. So there were still some people behind <laughs> you. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Right. So I know, I know it wasn't, it wasn't the swim you thought it was going to be. How did the rest of the race go? So the, I actually felt amazing on the bike, which is hilarious to me because that is the sport. I probably trained the most on the bike, honestly, because it was my weakest discipline, Okay. you know, so I, but I felt great. I mean, it was two, two loops and then kind of a half a loop. Um, and when you got off at like the finish exit, um, mm -hmm. it was a long stretch. Really, we biked 58 miles because you had to bike mm -hmm. a mile off the field and then a mile back on. So we were kind of told like, if you're really tracking and you want accurate, don't hit your watch until you oh, hit wow. the road or whatever. But I didn't, I was like, I'm just hitting my watch when I hit my watch because so I was like, okay, 58 miles, but it was flat. So the, the downside of it being flat is you don't really get any chance to coast. Um, mm -hmm. and you really don't get off your, now I don't have arrow bars, but I still, you're in that position for, you know, almost four hours. Um, yeah. and I, I just, I impressed myself on the bike. I was very pleased with how I felt and how I performed. Um, it was interesting though, because my transition times, it really felt like I was only there for like two minutes and it mm -hmm. was like almost 11 each time. I'm like, yeah, you blink and you're, it's so much longer than it feels. Don't even get me started on transition time. <laughs> <Nikia>. <laughs> <laughs> that's that I think that takes like I should have literally just practiced transitioning yeah because that's hard well you, you know you're absolutely right there you definitely should practice I mean I'm not calling you out on this right but it, it, it oh, is yeah, definitely no. uh, to practice um there's there's certain strategies to it but also while while you're 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 racing the same course as everybody else on the same day I think a lot of times and I'm not going to project I'm just going to talk about myself for a second uh is you can't always compare one course to the other even in transitions because the transitions are probably the thing that vary the most of any course as an example the swim should always be 1.2 the bike should always be 56 the transition can be anything they want it to be like like there is no real standard on the transition and um, it can vary so much. And to your point, you thought you were there two minutes. It turns out it was 11 minutes. <laughs> 11 minutes is a big deal sometimes. Right? Yeah. It, it changes yeah. It changes a lot. Um, but yeah, anyway, so um, so you got off, you got off the, you got out of the swim, you got your wetsuit off, you got on the bike, you felt really good about your bike. So you're coming yeah, back into transition. Did you have a good uh, transition bike to run? Everything set up and kind good? of. I mean, kind of. So I did, I thanked my bike for not failing me. I literally <laughs> out loud said, thank you, bike, <laughs> as I was hanging it back up. Awesome. Um, I felt like I owed my little $400 track a thank you. Um, and I, so I hate tri shorts. They're so thin. Mm. And I biked with my tri shorts underneath my cycling shorts. And my intention okay. in my head was take your cycling shorts off, get your cliff blocks into your tri shorts, and then start your run. And that did not happen. About a half mile into the run, I was like, what What feels weird? Something feels weird. Oh, I still have my bike shorts on. So I have two pairs. So I 
was, you know, they were $20 shorts from Amazon. Uh So I was like, well, you served me well this summer. If I never see you again, that's okay. (laughs) I took them off. I gave them to a volunteer. The next volunteer I passed, I said, I don't want to get a littering credit or littering violation. Can you take these for me? Um, Iron Man said, they said they would try to get them back to me. It's okay if they don't, it'll probably cost them as much to ship as it, (laughs) as they cost me to buy. But, um, and then I was like, oh, okay, I feel so much better. So the run, and I do consider myself a runner, but I don't care who you are running a half marathon with no walking after doing the swim and the bike. You're a champion in my eyes because I definitely walked and I had no shame about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's actually funny. So uh, on an episode that I've recorded and not released, we actually talked. I talked about that with uh, Kat uh, Heimberger. That um, it, it, I think when we say we run the the run portion, it's it's a it's a saying in a in a sense, right? <laughs> Um, not that, not that nobody does it because some people I've seen athletes put up crazy fast times, right? Oh, but yeah. I think the average age grouper has some sort of run walk, um, strategy, whether it's walking through aid stations or even a calculated, I'm going to run for this many minutes and walk for that many minutes or whatever. Or, or like when I was in the beginning, I just ran until I got tired and then I just walked the rest of the way, right? Which is not a strategy yeah. I would necessarily recommend anymore, <laughs> yeah. but it's a strategy nonetheless. Um, so yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but, but overall, once you got your, uh, your second layer of shorts off, you were feeling <laughs> you were feeling good. How was your yeah. how was your how was your nutrition? Did your nutrition uh, serve you well? <sighs> so the nutrition aspect through this whole pr- training program has thrown me for a loop. So I definitely I'm not gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say like most people, food is a blessing and a curse, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're burning, when you come back from a training ride or run and you're like, I just burnt 2,300 calories, the last thing you want to do is sit down and eat a grilled chicken salad, right? So yeah. you, like, I just, and I couldn't satiate myself through this training program. So I definitely, it, you know, when I do another one, I will seek sports nutrition assistance, get a plan, um, and I've heard you say this before, Ironman training is not a diet. Um, right. And it's hard to, it's hard to ditch that diet mindset and be like, I need this. I need to fuel appropriately. And it's okay to have a second helping of dinner and all of that. Um, yeah. And then it's also hard to go the reverse way and be like, now I need to go back to my normal oh. eating. Um, yeah. Cause I just, I'm a hungry person. I just am a hungry person. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but on the course, so ugh, I did have some GI issues on the run. Um, and I don't know if it was the salt water or just the run or all of the nutrition. I mean, I ate my breakfast at four 30 in the morning, yeah. but I really had to choke down my PB and J cause I was so nervous. I really probably should have had two PB and J's and I only could get one down. Um, but I mean, I use cliff blocks. I don't like the gels. They have never sat right with me, even through all my running. Um, and I like the honey waffles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably didn't drink enough Gatorade. So on the run, they did have um, Coca- Coca-Cola and pretzels. Mm-hmm. So I really hit that up um, as much as I could. But I mean, definitely probably around like mile nine or so, my stomach was like, what? 
is happening mm. right now because <laughs> right. your body's not like we're doing an Ironman. Like, so it was <laughs> your body's like, why? Am, why are my organs jostling around for the past eight hours? Yeah. Can um, we just stop so for a minute, can we just stop? Past, <laughs> yeah. So my my training run protocol was um, I would run 0. 0.8 or 0. 0.9 and then walk okay. the rest to the mile and then do that again. Um, and I started off really strong and I would say around like mile seven, it all just fell apart. And I just would run as much as I could and then stop and walk. And I was huffing it. Like when I was walking, I was walking like a 1355 mile. So I oh, was so walking it. with purpose. Yeah. You weren't out for the second. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, no, no, no. I was like, we're walking. Um, but you know, I think the run, I had some dark thoughts on the run. I passed somebody with headphones and like an, their phone and like they were chilling out and I go, Oh, were we allowed to bring music? <laughs> or I said, were we allowed to bring phones? And she was like, I don't know, but I did it anyway. And I was like, mm, well, I'm wow. not happy. I was like, I was really upset because I was like, I would like to be listening to a true crime podcast as well or the everyday Iron Man podcast. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, this is not fair that I have to think like, cause what do you do when you're running? You go back in the archives, yeah. you go way back. Yeah. It's so that's it's far. And then the flat too, there was no variation. So it felt a lot longer than it probably was. Yeah, that 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 flat it, like I said, it could be plus the blessing or a curse. Uh yeah, you know, it's it's you, you don't have the hills to contend with, but you also don't have the hills to, to help help distract you from certain things. And so um I I prefer a little bit of variety yeah. uh, personally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So you've, you've, you've been through the experience and you're a couple days, you've only had a couple days to, to process it or think about it. Maybe you're still even on that finisher's high. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, looking back on it, is there anything that you, that you would or you should have or you could have done differently that if you were to do it again today that you would, that you would do? Um, yeah, so definitely like through the whole training process, I would have ditched a cardio session and put in weights or core or something like that. Um, I just kind of ran out of time in my week. I really tried. There were periods during the summer where I was like, I'm going to do core twice a week and I'm going to do push-ups and, you know, but it's life happens. I've got kids and a job and all that stuff. So I, I would have, I don't think I needed that fourth 45 minute bike. I think I could have done gotcha. a full body strength. So looking back, definitely, because I do think it breaks it. It's good for your mind. It's good for your body. Mm -hmm. um, it's not good to do like a full stop on something you were, were doing and totally switch gears. Um, so I do feel like that, you know, muscular strength, um, I would build it in somehow, even maybe to the detriment of a little bit of endurance. Gotcha. That's um, good. That's, good. Uh, that's a good observation right there for sure. Thanks. Um, I would have, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of fun to like have the extra calories. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm a small person. So five or six pounds on me makes a difference because I'm like barely five foot. So I can't, like, I really do watch my weight and what I eat. Um, so I maybe like it was fun being like, you can, you just burn X amount of calories. Like it's okay to have that third slice of pizza or whatever. But I think leading up to race day, um, I probably would have cleaned it up really a lot more. And I definitely think that 
it's really hard to find a good sports nutritionist who also specializes in endurance. They are, I tried and they're, they're hard to find. So I think, um, you know, next time that I, I want like a plan, I need someone to tell me what to eat. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. That's a, I, that's something I still haven't, uh, I still haven't figured out. Um, and I, and knowing how, how and what to eat is something that doesn't come easy to the average person. I think there's some people that mm-hmm. have, you know, they've got it really dialed in and they're counting their macros and their micros and all that, all that jazz. Now I can eat the same thing every day. So I, I don't mm-hmm. care about that, but knowing exactly what to eat, um, I think I still struggle with, I've very, been very fortunate that I, I haven't had any race day GI issues or anything like that, but I don't know that when I'm full on training that I am properly fueling my body, right. I'm probably still under fueling. And yeah. then when I do those long training sessions, I think I, I can get a milkshake from Whataburger today because yeah. I didn't burn 2000 calories and that's not yes. the right way to handle it's... proper fueling <laughs> at all. Right. So yeah. may, maybe, maybe what you just stumbled upon Nakia is a niche need, right? <laughs> right. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, so you're having a hard time finding a sports nutritionist that, in, uh, that, uh, specializes in endurance sports, which means probably everybody else is, all we got to do is find somebody and convince yes. them to do it. And then jackpot, yeah. right? And they got a whole Yeah. Thing. And they can give us the plan for free since Absolutely. we came up with the idea Absolutely. for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how this works. That's um, exactly no, but it, it is hard though. Like, um, I mean, and also like, I know that I know the whole thing. Food's not a reward, blah, blah, blah. But when you're out there in the sun, especially training over the summer, you're out there in the sun for six hours. Like if you want a couple beers or you want a milkshake or whatever you want, like you should be able to have that. And like it's, you know, it is. But the fueling aspect is very hard. And I think also for, you know, a lot of people to see the numbers and be like, what you want me to eat? How many calories? you automatically think I'm going to gain weight and this is not going to be good. And so it's just, it's a totally, it's, it's hard, but that is something I would definitely dial in next time for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, what's next? Um, my husband's going to finish his doctorate (laughs) and I'm going to chill out for a little bit. Um, I feel like I need to, you know, this life is so funny. I think the, the pendulum is, I don't really believe in balance. And I don't think that anybody who does these sorts of things is like balance, moderation, <laughs> right? Cause we're yeah. not, we're not yeah. out here being moderate. That's not, it's not our style, but right. I think instead what I like to say is like, there's a pendulum and it swings back and forth. So sometimes the pendulum is more focused on me and sometimes it's more focused on my kids and sometimes it's more focused on my husband. So maybe we're going in a triangle, but you know, um, I felt that the summer was very much about me and people listening to what I ate and how much I rode and how I felt and what was next and all what I have to buy. And now I feel like I want to be in service to others for a while, um, you know, and serve other people's needs, my children, my parents, my um, husband, my coworkers, my friends, and just give back. So that's awesome. the next bit. Um, I do want to try to, um, I think I really, there's an Olympic distance in the spring in my area. And I would like to maybe see if I can 
be faster, see if maybe that's something that could be fun to kind of, now that I have those bike handling skills, mm-hmm. you know, I can, I can run a 10 K and run the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's what's next for me is being in service to others and then trying to see what I can do over these winter months to just get a little bit faster. That's, that Well, first of all, that's awesome that you have the recognition of saying, hey, you know what, it was about me for a while. I'm going to serve others, as you said. I think that is that is such a great mindset and an approach. Um, I would I would piggyback that onto uh, I've overlooked the Olympic distance uh, entirely, but I actually heard somebody say uh, recently that uh, the Olympic distance uh, is the distance where you can actually race the entire yeah. race, right? Because just yes, like you said a yeah. second ago, the half marathon after the 56 mile bike, you have to have a run walk. You have to have a strategy for most people. I'm not saying for everybody, for most yeah. people. But but now we're talking about a 18 to 20, 25 mile bike ride and then a 10K, right? I mean, yeah. that's that's something that is very, very manageable. And oh, I, yeah. once I get uh, through my uh, tendonitis, uh, I think that's, that might be my next goal uh, in the early spring as well. I think, I think I might actually take the rest of the year off. Uh, Okay. It's just been a crazy year for me as well. Now, now, that doesn't mean that I am not enjoying the, the hell out of living vicariously through you (laughs) and everybody else, uh, which is the best part about having a podcast is I can still talk about, I can still talk about all the things, right. But I don't have to, I don't have to do that. I'm actually, and I should, I should have led with this because I'm not in my normal podcast studio. So I'm recording this episode on my AirPods. So hopefully the audio is clear, but I'm in, uh, so I'm in Tucson, Arizona, and this is the first work trip that I can remember taking in a long time where I didn't bring workout clothes with me. Oh didn't, yeah. Didn't even, didn't even pack them. Didn't even think about packing yeah. them. I was like, don't, don't need them. Don't need them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it's, and- that's a cool feeling. We went to my son's birthday is over Labor Day weekend. And so the weekend before the race, we went to Niagara Falls and I didn't work out for three days. And I was like, oh my gosh this is, if you don't exercise, you have so much extra time on your hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, that is so awesome. That Um, is so awesome. Well, you had mentioned that you had your, uh, your $400 trek and you, and it served you well. Um, I'm, I'm, I always like to talk about bikes. So, um, so you said it was a road bike. So you have a, you have a trek road Mm -hmm. bike. How long have you had it? Is it something that you recently acquired? Have you had it a while? While. Yeah. So I'm trying, let me think back. So I mean, 20, I'm going to say 10 years I've had this bike. Oh, wow. Probably. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, she's a, she's reliable. Like she got me where I needed to be. And, you know, I was thinking on my way home from work today, I was like, you know, maybe like if I can save up, I would buy a triathlon bike for this Olympic and kind of just see what it's like. And Mm -hmm. that's a slippery slope because I was listening to something and they said like, you know, the amount of bikes that you're allowed to have is like T minus however many your spouse says (laughs) that you can put in the garage. (laughs) Um, So I think that, but my husband has a mountain bike 
and a road bike. So I think I should be able to get a triathlon Absolutely. bike. Absolutely. You should be able to. Yeah. So, so do you, on your road bike, did you put, do you have clip on arrow bars or are you just, are you just no. going straight? Okay. So that might be the, that yeah. might be the next reasonable yeah. uh, move is to go to some clip on arrow bars. There are a lot of people that race um, very successfully on clip on, clip on arrow bars, especially if it's a bike that you have an emotional attachment too. I mean, yeah, but and, the triathlon bikes are really fancy and pretty. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Like, they're get, really nice. Don't, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I was just trying to help. I was just trying to help you through the process. So let yeah. me ask you this. So, so if you were to get a proper triathlon bike, what would you get? Like, if you, do you have oh, your gosh, eye on I don't something? even know. No, I just want one with like the filled in back wheel. Cause it just looks so cool. Yes, like the disc does. wheel. Yes. I don't know. Like any, I mean, I've, I don't know if Trek makes triathlon bikes, but. Oh, I, they do. Okay. I'm not like a bike expert. Like my dad's probably like, oh, you're killing me right now because he's got like seven bikes in the garage, but I don't know. I saw so many really beautiful bikes on and like fun colors and mm-hmm. just. Really, really cool. So what I will say is I would want one with arrow bar. I mean, I guess all the triathlon bikes probably come with arrow bars, right? That's yeah. like the whole thing. Yeah, kind of a thing. Um, but definitely the the water bottle thing with the straw in the yep. front. Yep. That is cool. I would definitely do that. So I don't know. I don't have like a brand. I'm not I'm not that like well versed in bikes yet. Well, I'm pretty partial, but I'm so but I'm gonna tell you this. So uh Cervelo seems to be one of, if not the most common, I don't know about popular, but common uh, triathlon bike at any, at any Ironman branded event. I have a Trek speed concept, which is their triathlon version of the bike that I love. And I have the solid disc wheel for the back. I mean, Literally, and I told this story uh, a couple episodes ago, right after I got it, <clears throat> I keep it in the garage, which some people say you shouldn't, you got to keep it in the house or whatever, but I keep it in the garage. <laughs> and so I went out, I was in the garage for a while and uh, I came back in and my wife, my wife asked me, she said, what, what were you doing? <clears throat> I was like, I was in the garage. And she said, well, what were you doing in the garage? I said, I was looking at my bike. She goes, what was what's wrong <laughs> with your bike? And I was like, Nothing. I was just looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at it. <laughs> she looked at me. And she just shook, well, her, just shook her head. I never understood it until I got back to transition after that 58 mile ride. And <laughs> I was like, so much could have gone wrong. And I know that I'm thanking this inanimate object that I paid to have serviced and put new <laughs> tires on. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I felt very thankful to my bike. So I I do have dreams about getting a really fancy. I would buy used. I mean, if anybody out there has a nice one that they're selling yeah. for cheap, I'll talk to you. Oh, used is the way to go for sure. Yeah. I got mine. I got mine used. I got I got the okay. the bike before it used. And then I sold I sold my first bike to somebody else who's using it now and 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 was very yeah. happy to get it. And I was sad to see it go, but um, that's just how it goes, right? It's it's a it's yeah. the, it's the circle of the triathlon mm-hmm. bike life, right? Uh, yes, somebody yeah. will buy your bike someday, and we'll be super excited to get it, and we'll do great things and and have some great memories on it. That's that's uh, that's just how it works. Um, yeah, no, you're totally right. Well, you have been you've been so much fun to talk to. It's hard to I just looked down at the Thanks. the counter here. I, it's hard to imagine or believe that our time is has I come know. to the end. Um, as we start to wrap 
as we start to wrap things up, uh, do you have any uh, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to uh, to leave with? Yeah, I do. I mean, I do have a couple. I wrote down a few thoughts. Um, the biggest one is that you're not an island and this isn't about you and your victory is not yours alone. And I think that um, I've just made it a point these past few days to just really thank everybody that has gotten me there. And I don't know that, you you know, a thank you card goes a long way and a thank you. But, you know, I just it's also then, like I said earlier, just about kind of kind of reshifting my focus to be in service to others. Mm. Um, the other thoughts that I had are that you can do so much more than you think you can. I think our minds are our most limiting factor. And I know mind over matter is kind of a cliche thing, but it, it's really true. I think that finding that place in your mind where you, you're you worth it. And I think especially um, as a working mom of two little kids, like, being putting myself first for this was not, it's not selfish it's not selfish to prioritize your health and your fitness and show your kids that you're not just a mom you're a person and my seven my little one's too little but my seven-year-old when I crossed the finish line he said I'm really proud of you and I looked at my husband I was like did you tell him to say that and he was like no but that's that's why right because they he's getting to that age where I want him to see me as a person and and his mom yeah. and an employee and a friend and a daughter and a wife, you know, and that's really important for me because I think that to show your children that you are capable um, of doing something hard, you can do hard things. We all have to do hard things in our lives and whether they're hard things that you pay for and you choose to do or hard things that right. come, come down your path, like you can do it. And I just, that's, that's the biggest thing. So putting yourself first is not being selfish. And I think so many women and mothers put themselves last. And um, again, you you can do hard things. That's my biggest takeaway. Wow. No, that's that's uh, so true. Um, and, and definitely something that um, it's probably not easy to do, um, mm-hmm. but uh, it's something that hopefully you um, – you were able to, you know, to, to, to be able to wrap your head around and to be able to, to, to really show your kids. And I know your youngest, like you said, is probably not able to uh, recognize it now, but to be able to, I can't even imagine my, my if, at, at, at crossing the finish line and my seven-year-old telling me that how proud they were uh, of me. Uh, my, my boys, and I love my boys, they're older, but they could care less about uh so funny like two weeks ago my my youngest away is away at college and my wife has been on me for like four years to remodel the boys bathroom and so i got up saturday morning labor day weekend and i ripped out their one piece tub shower thing and later in the day we were driving in the car and my wife called my son my youngest son and she's like guess what guess what dad did today And and he goes probably ran a marathon and I was like no <laughs> like, I'm remodeling your bathroom but it was just the sound of his voice of like yeah. <laughs> ridiculous but anyway that's funny um well, well Nikki I really appreciate you um you coming on the show and you being transparent and you talking about um you know the, the good the bad and the ugly you know for for a lack yeah. of a better term and I know that there's probably somebody out there listening um who um, can relate 
to what what you're going through and, and will hopefully be able to um, I mean, hopefully they won't be in the same situation that you were in. But if they are, <laughs> we'll hopefully realize that, hey, let's just take a minute. Let's 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 roll over on our back. Let's catch our breath. I love the fact that you had that little mantra that you said to yourself. So, you know, maybe maybe be prepared for the unexpected is is not necessarily yeah. a bad thing, um, even though I know no. we don't want to sometimes. But um, normally, as we're closing things out, I'll be like, hey, I'm going to track you on the next race. And I look forward <laughs> to seeing that. But, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, that Olympic distance in the spring and uh, you get that new tri bike and you're right back. You're, yeah. you're, your husband gets his doctorate. and You're right back in the game, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. I will let you know. I'll keep you posted. Thank you so much. This was really awesome. Your podcast has really inspired me. Um, like I said in my initial email, like the pros are awesome and that is fun, but it's really the everyday people. There were so many long runs where I would listen to somebody that you were interviewing and I'd be like, yeah, I can do that too. And I'm like talking to myself and people are like, you know, looking at me like I'm nuts, but it's like, you, you just, you hear something and you relate to it and you're like, yes, they're me. I'm them. Like I can do this. That is awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm glad that you are, um, you're enjoying hearing everybody's story because I am definitely yeah. enjoying hearing everybody's story and getting the opportunity to talk to, to, to people like you. And, and that's what's cool about, it's what's cool about the world that we live in, the sport that we are associated with and, and technology, because without yes. those things, I would have never met you. Right. And so, yep. and I'm glad that yeah. I did. I'm glad I got to hear yeah, uh, your too. story today. And I know that it'll inspire somebody else. So thank you. Thank you so much. So thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out and uh, I hope thanks. to see you again soon. Yeah. Thank you. Same. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions, advice that you would like to share, or would like to be a guest on the show and share your story, you can email everydayironmanpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow on Instagram at Everyday Iron Man Podcast. Until next time, keep moving forward.